The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris, are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you, too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It seems like this summer has just been busy, hectic. Um, so we've had a lot of vacation breaks from The Man Cave, uh, did some football camps with youth and other like speed and agility camps and ray uh, went on to do some things with uh fruit of balloon underwear so it's just been crazy uh emory hunt a, a, a consistent per, uh, person on our show emory just finished two books and he's been doing a lot of color commentating and then myself, I also uh, did guest coaching with the cardinals throughout uh, the past three weeks of training camp so, man, and not to mention uh, some traveling to Cali and New Mexico and Chicago. So it's about that time for us to just get back to the cave. And so today I've even chosen to go to the actual cave, the man cave at home uh, here in Litchfield Park. I know everyone is excited because I know I'm excited. It is football time. Football time. Can I say it one more time for you? It is football time, everybody. I know the summer seemed to have drag and drug and dragged and drug. I'm using both tenses with it uh, to the point where it was like I, I I needed some revitalization going on in my life uh, with the man cave coming on with football. So uh, last week did not disappoint. Uh, going in, watching college football, you know, SEC, record-breaking uh, top-ranked teams. And, you know, Alabama did what they did against Wisconsin. And uh, you saw uh, Notre Dame do their thing. And I, I think that this is probably going to be one of the more special uh, Notre Dame teams that I've seen in a long time. Uh, they looked sharp running and passing and solid defense. I'm really excited to see what goes on in South Bend. And I I think if time permits, I'm going to go over and shoot and catch a game this season. It'll be my first time uh, in South Bend for a game, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then, of course, uh, you had Ohio State, the returning national champions, coming in, and boy, did they put on a freaking show. I don't know if any of you guys watched it. But to see this mad creation that Urban Myers put together is just unfreaking believable. I mean, to get guys to buy in and say, you know what, Braxton Miller, I'm a senior, uh, the level of maturity he had to say, I'm a senior, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to play a new position because realistically, 
uh, the NFL is probably going to ask me to play another position anyway. So, uh, like uh, Terrell Pryor. So, instead of going there and trying to adjust during my tenure in the NFL, let me go ahead and get a jump start on it. And, I mean, did I don't know if you guys saw the hit stick move, the B-spin move uh, that he had the other night. He just looked like a man amongst boys. I mean, right away you hear people talking Heisman, and I think the young man is going to do well. Um, and uh, just Cordell Patterson, I mean, or uh, Cordell, the quarterback, he was on, on point. And I don't know if any of you guys that are out there acquiesce with this or comprehend this, but a lot of times when you have a former quarterback that goes on to play wide receiver, that quarterback's or that receiver's skill seems to enhance compared to a guy that never played quarterback. That's why you look at the you know typical slots like a Julian Edelman or a Heinz Ward, uh, guys like that that had a background playing quarterback their transition to receiver seems to go pretty good because they know what the quarterback is seeing. They're feeling the pressure and they typically seem to take a holistic approach to uh, the game. It's not like they're just looking at, okay, here's the coverage and this is what I have to do. They're looking at, you know what, I see this hot. I see, I know that the quarterback's check is this, so this is going to affect my route a little bit more. Uh, so I think that Ohio State could very well be in the same game, except for playing here in, uh, at University of Phoenix Stadium at the end of the season. They just look like men amongst boys. And, of course, you know, there's some other tests for them. But I'm excited to see what's going on. Um, the Big Ten, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh comes back. And to see Harbaugh come back to coaching college football and the expectations and stuff like that, I think some people thought right away he's going to come in and compete for a national championship. Realistically, that's not it. Uh, but I think that he is going to uh, – just, I, I think it's going to be a process. I think he's doing the right thing, building, getting in his recruits. Uh, if anyone that can convert a quarterback would be him uh, with Coach Harbaugh. But there's no punks in the Big Ten anymore. And uh, speaking of Big Ten, I got to give some love out to one of my former radio mates, uh, Darnell Autry, who has celebrated a lot this past weekend um, back with the Big Ten Network and the different uh, media outlets in Chicago because it's coming up on, I believe, the 20th anniversary of them getting ready to go to the Rose Bowl, and he was actually voted uh, the best player to come out of the state of Arizona for the Big Ten. So, uh, Deot, congrats, homeboy. You did your thing, baby. So, and I don't know if you guys followed that Cinderella season with Northwestern or know about it, but you're talking about a school that was just known for academics and media people and theater. And you had a uh, team that come came in there. And I still would say their team compared to the other teams that they played in the conference athletic ability. Most other teams in the big 10 had more uh, 
depth in terms of talent, but the talent that they had and uh, what Coach Barnett put together and how they worked together, they had a, a group of intelligent football players that were just special. You go back to Dwayne Bates, uh, the Pats Fitzgerald at linebacker, uh, Chris Martin, you know, who spent a couple t- a little bit in the NFL, Hudefa. Um, man, they had quite a group. Uh, Brian Musso, uh, they put it together and got it done. So uh, congrats to Darnell in that 1996 or 95-96 uh, Rose Bowl Northwestern Wildcat team. They did get embarrassed at USC. I didn't need to rub that in. That's where Keyshawn Johnson showed he was a man amongst boys, uh, period. Um, so we had that. What else has happened? The whole, uh, well, I guess we're going to go close and talk about Serena and Venus. Wow. What can you say about these two young ladies? First of all, they're beautiful, but they are, I mean, I don't think that we'll ever see a combination like this from a family again in our lifetime uh, in terms of tennis. Um, and I don't know if you all know the background with them out of Compton because, hey, being a black man, I tennis, I knew about Arthur Ashe, and that was about it. And, you know, we played a little bit, and it was like, no, uh, I'm going to go shoot some basketball, play some baseball, play some football. But to see these young ladies dominate at such a young age and to continue on uh, their legacy, it's just been so impressive to me. Uh, they've stayed true to who they were. Are I remember uh, just seeing an interview where their dad, I mean, da- daddy didn't take no uh, mess. Daddy Williams is no joke. Uh, one reporter tried to, I remember, get uh, Serena or Venus to kind of just have a low standard for themselves. And he was like, no, you need to study. I taught my daughters they can be the best and they should strive to be the best. And it's not being arrogant, it's being confident. And, you know, Venus is showing it. She is, I I was torn watching the match. Um, you know, you saw a big sister versus little sister. But I felt like, wow, if Venus wins this uh, against, I mean, if Serena wins this, I mean, she's forever enshrined in the tennis world. Not like she wouldn't been anyway. So I have to say, you know, you got two of the greatest female tennis players from the unlikeliest of places, Compton, California. And for those of you that don't know about Compton, you need to go watch Straight Outta Compton, uh, which was a great movie this uh, summer as well. But we have to talk about the main thing, and everybody knows what this is. It is the freaking NFL and the saga and the drama that comes with it. We had everything from the long romance <laughs> and bickering and fighting between Robert Kraft and Roger Goodell. Uh, you had just this whole def- uh, deflategate, uh, d- this thing, uh, deflating the ball, all that. We're going to jump into this because this is probably been overplayed at this point, but it is a deeper thing. It's like, Roger Goodell and his power, um, also 
when you have to answer to one or more polarizing figures in the NFL uh, with the owners, with the Robert Krafts, and then you have Jerry Jones, who, who he and Al Davis was probably on the other side of the island, and then you had Robert Kraft, who's one or more prominent and likable owners, and Goodell probably tended to lean more towards that side than the other side, and now it's getting ugly. So when we get back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the NFL, the Patriots, and all this stuff, man, I am so excited. And I can't wait to, for my boys to get back in the man cave. But all of them right now are taking care of kids. So um, we're going to go and take a break, and we'll be back. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events tune in to all around sports with john inglesby fridays at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m pacific on the voice america sports channel Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. 
or send an email to JD Harris at high intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So, before break, we we're talking a little bit about Roger Goodell and uh, the whole thing with uh, Bob Kraft. But we have a special guest coming in right now uh, from Voice America, Ryan Treasure. Ryan, are you there yet? Is he here? Well, when Ryan calls in, uh, we'll start talking about it a little bit. But uh, so here's the thing, man. Realistically, Goodell has tried to be both judge and juror. And I call him Nick. Uh, he, he tries to be the total czar. And I think that his action, his power has gone to his head. And then all the bravado that goes with him. We have this whole issue with, you know, Roger Goodell making deciding what who gets fined what and things like that doing favors and sweeping certain things under a rug and just not being totally transparent uh, and doing what's necessarily the punishments don't always fit the crime it depends on who you are all that it just seems to be very biased uh from a lot of people's opinion from my opinion uh, is 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 i think the how long this whole deflated ball situation went on was just ridiculous. But at the same time, I believe that the whole thing that's gone on with the Patriots have been ridiculous. Uh, the fact that, you know, at their point where there's smoke, there has to be fire. And I understand people are jealous that the Patriots are typically been a winning team and in there, but you never heard this stuff when the Buffalo Bills went four times in a row or uh, when Cincinnati uh, was getting to the Super Bowls, or even Dallas when they were winning Super when their dynasty or the Steelers or 49ers. But with the Patriots, it just seems that is a continued stench that goes along with them. Uh, but then, and it seems like the relationship and the influence that Kraft has had with Goodell, you know, I think he wasn't expecting Goodell to go against them. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, JD. Thanks for having right. me on. Okay. Hey, I'm glad to have you on, man. Th- how are you doing today? Oh, doing good. You know, we're out here in Phoenix, Arizona. The weather's starting to, you know, curve down just a little bit, so not so much heat. So definitely enjoying that, and uh, you know, really excited about uh, the NFL season ramping up and getting ready to watch some football this week. Absolutely. So, uh, Ryan, I've been talking about the whole deflated gate or ball and uh, dealing with Goodell and Kraft. What, what, what's your opinion? Because I know you have one. Because when we're in the, in the studio, we always have some good uh, conversations. <laughs> so, hey, give me your perspective on it. You know, I think really my main point of contention with this whole thing is just the sheer amount of money that the NFL you know, and namely Roger Goodell as the commissioner is throwing at, you know, legal battles that basically is coming out of all of the owner's pockets. And, you know, if I was an owner, I'd be really upset at Roger Goodell for spending our money so frivolously, you know, and then not to mention making, you know, rash decisions without consulting some of the other components of the NFL. And, you know, I think just his, you know, uh, his, his King Goodell attitude is just really, you know, not becoming of a leader that you should be, you know? Yeah. You know, at first, when he first came, I was like, okay, this, he, I felt like he was going to be good. You know, a, a, a firm, consistent hand that he wasn't going to waver. But 
now it's to the point where I think he thinks a little bit, you know, maybe it's after he got the money, things like that. His his whole disposition has changed and is not always what seems to be best for the league. It seems to be what's best or what he feels at that time. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. And it, and it is like that. And I think it does have a lot to do with money because, you know, I think the last stat that I heard is somewhere in the neighborhood of him making 53 or $55 million a year, which is, you know, quite a bit of money. And, you know, if you're making that kind of money, you should be making, you know, decisions for the league and for the prosperity of the game of football and not necessarily for the prosperity of, you know, the executive uh, membership of the league and padding their pockets. You know, I think, keeping the game true and keeping the game fair and keeping the game, you know, to its historical roots is one of the most important components of what a commissioner's job is. And I think he's absolutely failed at retaining that. So I'm going to be unbiased with this because I think he's done a lot of great things for the league. I mean, he's definitely as much money as he spent with this and us as taxpayers are even going out once it's going, getting in, you know, to judges and dealing with, you know, going into the the courts, we as the citizens, you know, fund that basically as well. Uh, so, yeah, I get that that's a waste. But, you know, he made the draft into a, bit, a huge event. Uh, the Pro Bowl, which, you know, I think was a dying uh, deal before. This is the first time in a long time it's sold out. I, I think uh, the whole draft. Uh, and combine or well, the whole combine thing. Now he's made that another money maker. Where you know right. he's traveling, and, 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 and I agree. With some of those things that he did, you know, early on. But are those things going to be completely eclipsed by all the bad things that he's doing towards the end of his tenure? You know, it's kind of some some similar uh, you know thought to you know how the president of the United States works. You know, the president makes all these promises. He comes on board. You know, makes a few good changes towards the end and then you uh, in the beginning and then towards the end starts to make some bad mistakes and then how is that person remembered or how do they go down in history? People aren't going to remember, you know, uh, you know that, oh, he, he revised the Pro Bowl because now the Pro Bowl is revised. It's revitalized. He's going to go down as, you know, one of the worst commissioners in the history of the league just for the simple actions that he's taken in the latter part of his career. And I, and I agree, don't get me wrong, I think that he did do some good things early, but you know, some of these other decisions later on in his career, I think, are really going to pave the way for, uh, you know, the way that he's remembered as a commissioner. Hey, you know, and that's very true. You're saying it sounding as a, you're a married man. Your wife will re- forget about the nine things you did well, but that one thing that you did bad, that thing is going to haunt you. And, uh, oh, it'll haunt you forever if you're married. She'll bring it up ten years from now. Exactly. So, <laughs> so Goodell, unfortunately, is in one of those type of situations uh, with his actions. And I think this whole situation, especially with uh, Brady and stuff, it, it conjures a lot of different emotions. Uh, you get from the, from the different players' perspective, it's like, okay, are you going to really do something to the golden boy Tom Brady that gets away? You know, rules get changed because of Tom Brady and protecting him because of the former relationship that Bob Kraft had with Roger Goodell. Then you get the part of it of even the owners. Okay, you know, look look what you did to the Saints, you know, without with 
probably less things to convict anyone and you know look what happened to them so it's a lot of a lot of people from inside the league circles that have some envy and jealousy of craft in general and now they're i don't know if you saw ryan the other day where it's coming out uh with the investigations of the videotaping they made it seem like you know the patriots themselves had only taped like uh videotaped one or two teams uh but to find out they had 40 games where they were still in the signals and recording did you uh see that um you know i didn't read the entire article because it came out on a couple of different sources uh but yeah i'm aware of you know some of those allegations as it relates to the taping you know for for other games besides what they originally knew and then i believe there were other allegations too about um you know the possibility of you know, Roger Goodell covering up some actions that the Patriots also had um, and that might surface over the next coming weeks as well. Yeah, and, and that's what I was saying. So that's why I feel like there's players, you know, like Brandon Marshall kind of went out and said, you know, the punishments are different, you know, with races. And I'm not necessarily agreeing or disagreeing with that statement, but definitely how the Patriots have been dealt with and handled. Uh, in the past, I, I, they, I felt it was a lot due to the integrity, uh, well, not the integrity, but to not make the brand look as bad. And also, I felt like maybe some of that was maybe spawned by the relationship between Goodell and Kraft. Now that th- that relationship's tarnished, I don't think Goodell has an ally uh, in the owners anymore. I think complete confidence is lost in them. Well, and, you know, couple that with the amount of, you know, spending because of the court battles and stuff like that, and you're right, you're going to alienate those owners. You know, those owners are going to make some decisions that are going to benefit, you know, the league in general and maybe make some changes. Uh, You know, according to their bylaws, I believe, you know, the owners have the power to elect a new commissioner. Yeah, and and here's the other issue, too. Well, here's the one thing, though, where the owners – could say, you know, going back on what he had did in the past, which was one of the pros for them, but a con for the players. Uh, that CBA deal that the players signed, <laughs> I mean, the owners won that deal. And so, I mean, the peskiness of Goodell was good. I, I guess I look, I guess a proper analogy I have for him is he was that pit bull that they wanted that was effective, but now he's getting out of control. He's biting, he's biting the owners now. Before he was just defending and, and you know scaring away, you know the trespassers. Now he's yeah, kind of sure the owners love the fact that the NFL is still the only professional based sporting team that doesn't have guaranteed salaries, and that's and, and that's something that you know the, I'm sure as an owner when you're looking to make money off of your team and you don't have you know, guaranteed salaries to pay out to players, you know, that portion impacts the pocketbooks of the owners in the league as a whole and really alienates the player, I think, in some respects. And, um, you know, I think that they need to find a happy medium that allows, you know, the organizations to be profitable, but also, you know, guarantee money to these guys that are out there, you know, getting their heads smashed in and worried about concussions and this, that, and the other that could, know potentially uh you know impact their ability to be human beings for the rest of their life and you know stop being so darn greedy yeah well i know we're gonna go into break but 
I, hopefully I can keep you on because I, I have some other things I'm going to throw at you. But we're going to go into break and come back, get a cold drink, and let's have some talks, y'all. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you ready to talk sports with a passion get ready for cheap shots with luther broughton and micah warren we'll start off with the nfl pretty much always but the talk moves along from there we'll talk about the events of the week opinions from the big names and predictions of what's to come plus we'll get to hear from you the ultimate fan don't let the name of the show fool you we're in it for the good stuff Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Take the bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, we have Ryan Treasure on with us, and we're talking about, you know, Roger Goodell and his legacy and uh, how it could be tarnished or how it is getting tarnished. But also we discussed about the Patriots and their legacy. I mean, how how many more things can they be accused of before, you know, enough is enough? It's like, do do you – when you look at them, do you put the asterisk by their Super Bowl wins? What, what, what's your thoughts on, on the Patriots, Ryan? I mean, with everything that they've been able to get away with, why isn't Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame? Exactly. <laughs> That's all i got to say about that. But would So do, do you think it tarnishes the legacy of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Or I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts? I mean, I think if it comes out that they, in fact, you know, blatantly disregarded the rules of the NFL and, you know, cheated by, you know, uh, uh, you know, recon for hand signals and different things like that, then, you know, yeah, I think it does put a tarnish mark on them because that, in, in turn, you know, it tarnishes the game as a whole and it shows that, you know, that it's not as pure as what people think it is. Um, if people have the ability to break those rules in that capacity, and or have, 
you know, higher-ups or what have you covering up for them in order to pad their pockets. I think that's a huge deal, and it, it's a huge punishment, not just on, a, on, the, on the team, but also on the league as a whole. Now, now, being a former football player, this is just me. Like, I don't know if you follow, like, for example, Nebraska in the 80s or 90s with Tommy Frazier. Anyone that knew when Nebraska was playing, you knew that they were going to run option. You had to stop it. So sometimes people knew what you're doing, and you still have to execute. So I don't, I, I agree with you. I think it's bad, and you get an uh, unfair advantage. But at some point, you still have to play the game. And for you to ha- remember all that, I don't know how advantageous was it really for the, uh, for the Patriots. I think that, you know, Tom Brady still had to make reads. You know, the linemen still had to block. And the ball still had to be caught. So, I, I, in terms from the actual field of play, I don't, I don't know how much of an advantage being so a former I, player. I think, I think what you what you just said then is basically uh, from the basic perspective of what a football player is expected to do, which is block, tackle, catch. Right? Those are like the basic components of playing football. So as long as you execute the basic components of playing football, then you're guaranteed to win games. That's basically what happens if you cheat. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying if if you do what you're supposed to, I mean, it still comes down. You can have information. I can, if, you're, if my Johns are better than your Joes, it doesn't matter how much information. If my Johns are that dominant and just execute, I feel like, my John should win or, you know, I, I feel like, okay, yeah, I could give a poor athletic, a poor team information doesn't mean that they'll necessarily guarantee them to win. Uh, so I still, I agree there, there's a tarnishment and they, there should be some uh, punishment, but at the same time you have to, with the information you, with or without the information, they still had to play. And they played, and they. Yeah, won. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that you know the league should be as extreme as you know removing people's Super Bowl championships or rings or anything like that. Because I mean, I do agree those guys did have to play, and they you know made plays to do that. But you know, definitely they've got to look at you know how the team has the ability to sustain what they have by maybe removing some you know draft picks or some uh, salary cap components to you know uh, even the playing field for some other teams for some time. I believe. But, yeah, I, I, I do have to agree slightly that, you know, yes, those guys do have to go out and execute. And so, um, you know, kudos to them for the execution. But I just, you know, I'm, I'm a purist when it comes to sporting events, and I feel that, you know, any kind of advantage that is outside the rule books, you know, just tarnishes the trueness of the game in general. And, I, I mean, I would agree 100%. I'm not taking – I don't want to minimize what they've done. But I'm just saying at the end of the day that you got to get out there and play. But speaking of another, like, tarnished franchise, Washington. Oh, my gosh. What in the Hades is going on there? I mean, you know, first RG3 is our guy. He's going to be the guy for the year. Now Kirk Cousins, which I'm actually a bigger – I was a fan of Kirk Cousins when he was at Michigan State. I felt like he was a steal in the draft. And now – you have to say, was Mike Shanahan necessarily wrong for drafting two quarterbacks when he did? I mean, uh, the state of the, the franchise is just ridiculous right now. 
Well, I think the mistake that, you know, was made was putting so much onus in a person that was already injury prone to begin with. And, you know, uh, and, and RG3, just knowing how fragile he is when he's put in the situations to run and get hit like that. And, you know, um, I, I really, I, I put the onus on the coach and, and on the ownership in this capacity because, you know, I remember in preseason times, uh, Shanahan talking about how, how he was going to turn RG3 into this machine, this beast, and he was going to be the guy. And, you know, um, and he just so quickly turned his back on him over an injury and, you know, changed the way the, uh, the thinking of the entire team. I think, you know, all the way down to, you know, the guy who holds the place kicking ball um, or, or, or any of those other, uh, other individuals in lower spots on the team, you just got to think that the, the whole mindset for the whole organization is just in, in, in a completely negative download spiral. I don't really see what they're going to be able to do this year with, with, you know, with just the scenario that they're in. I mean, I know they have some talented guys that can do some positions, but if their headspace isn't right, they're going to really have some problems. Yeah, I mean, since going back, I remember 2000, uh, and someone, uh, LeVar Arrington, actually mentioned this this week, where Washington has always had talent. I don't think there's ever been a question – that they've had talent on their rosters, but they've it's just been a place that has been just underachieving. Uh, you know, you I don't know if you remember in 2000 when they got Bruce Smith, they got Deion Sanders, Mark Carrier, and all these guys that uh, both on offense and defense, and it was like a dream team. And they can they drafted Chris Samuels number one, and they just couldn't get it done. And think about since uh, Snyder has taken over, how many coaches have they gone through? You know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's a franchise, I, I, and then now you're dealing with I think it's eight. I think it's eight coaches. Eight coaches since 2000. Yeah. It's eight, think about that. Eight coaches since 2000. That's basically two, co- and we're not even dealing with scouting staffs. Because some of the people return back, like Vinny Serrato and stuff like that. So Daniel Snyder, at one time, I remember he was playing, paying three staffs, three scouting staffs at once. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, wow. Yeah, I was listening to a local radio the other day, and I can't remember the player, but um, basically there's a player that's on the Washington Redskins currently who has a roster spot who has had a different coach for every single season that he's played on the team. Yeah. You know, that's that's, that's, that's got to be tough. That, that has. It is like, so then now you look at it, you've gone through the quarterbacks, you know, basically Washington has been a place that kill, has killed careers, kind of like how Cleveland's been and, and in the past how Oakland's been in the past. Now Washington is that place where you go to bury your football career because, you know, like for them, and I understand them keeping RG3, is like if we're going to make sure that he doesn't get injured anywhere, so but if we're going to have to give him X amount of millions anyway, we might as well have him in our building and we know, you know, we have him. Our, our intel hasn't gotten out. And we're still going to pay him, so keep him here to not. We're basically paying him to not play, which I get it because if he gets injured, he trips in a facility. They're on a the hook for sixteen million in two thousand sixteen. 
So, I mean, and well, all this thing, all of this press, I mean, some of it is definitely him. Some of it's the owner and some of it's the coach. It's like, I don't know if this kid could uh, revive after this, which takes me to the next <laughs> kind of dude is Tim Tebow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel sorry for that guy. Hey, he, you know what? I, I think that he's a good football player. I just, he's not a quarterback and he wants to remain a quarterback. And that's kind of some of the downfall. But I don't know if he necessarily is the quickest thinker. I think he's a very intelligent young man. But I don't, from my people that I know, the question is how well does he process information or how fast does he do it? And that's well, I where think, I, I think he processes information just fine. I just think at an NFL style speed of the game, you know, in the way that that goes, I just, maybe he's not able to process the components at that level because at a college level, he was, you know, you, you saw what he did in, in college and he well, was able well, to process react quickly. But I, you know, the speed of the NFL game is you know that much faster. And I think he's really having a tough time, you know, keeping up with that speed. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree, even with college. And think about <laughs> this when I when I when I tell you about who he had around him. First of all, you had Percy Harvin, who was a number one pick or first rounder. You had Aaron Hernandez, who by all means was a first rounder to, if he wasn't in trouble. You had the Pouncey brothers on offense, Riley Cooper, who's a mid round pick, and I forgot who the other person was, but. He basically had all that talent around him, and so you're not going to leave Percy Harvin uncovered at college. I mean, in the pros, when he plays, he demands four set of eyes or two set of eyes on him. And then Aaron Hernandez, I remember just watching him. You had so many people to defend except for the quarterback. I mean, you weren't going to load up and try to stop him, and you had two pro. I mean, you had three pro bowlers on his offensive line. So I think, uh, and this is kind of the the curse of the Urban Meyer offenses is, especially for quarterbacks, what quarterback has he had, I mean, that has done well at the higher level with the exception of Alex Smith, and that only happened once Jim Harbaugh came to develop him. But typically, all quarterbacks look good in Urban Meyer system. Basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, you know, you make a good point, but don't forget, like you mentioned earlier, people still have to execute. You know, and he did do some uh, some some uh, pretty uh, uh, maneuverable plays and executed them fairly well in some uh, scenarios where they really needed it for them to garner, uh, you know, the status that his college team did while they were playing. And I'm going to say, did he process it, or was he a, a bigger athlete or an athlete that ran? And I, I think that's the difference. Did he make an athletic play, or was he making? did he make a read to make that play? Where you can see, I'll say, a uh, Russell Wilson has diagnosed a play, and then he's taken off. I think their processing abilities or Peyton Manning or stuff, stuff like that, I don't, I don't think – he processes information the way an NFL quarterback should. But I can uh, definitely agree with you on that. But on that note, we're going to go and process on how to take this break, and we'll be right. back. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I appreciate you coming. Hey, but All right. I'll talk. I'll talk to you during break. All right. 
walk is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to JD Harris at high-intensitysports.com Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, we're back and we're getting ready to uh, make the picks for the weekend since Maurice is not here. I got to make them for myself or Ray. So the first game, we have the Steelers versus the Patriots. Uh, I think personally, Tom Brady's going to have something to prove. So I think he's going to unleash hell on the Steelers. So I'm going to go with uh, the Patriots. The next game, Green Bay versus the Bears, a big rival game. I've spent many years of actually working this game, working with the Bears. Uh, and I'm going to say offenses usually take a lot longer to uh, jail. So I'm going to go with the established team with their offense. So the Packers are going to take that game. Next, I have the Chiefs versus the Texans. This is going to be interesting. Uh, J.J. Swat, Watt, the killer. I got to go with defense. Defense wins ball games. So I'm going to go with the Texans. Uh, we have next the Browns versus the Jets. Uh, I feel like Cleveland just has too many things going on, and most of them aren't good. I think Todd Bowles has a good 
group of guys and they'll call a simple game plan where everybody's going to have to try to defend the receivers. I think the Jets can make Cleveland one-dimensional, so I'm going to go with the Jets. Uh, The next game, I have the Colts versus the Bills. Believe it or not, uh, the Colts are going to Buffalo. Uh, Andrew Luck has spent a while just playing up uh, inside the Lucas Field, inside the bubble. I'm going to take him, even though it's not cold yet in Buffalo, but you don't know what type of weather you get. And I think that the Buffalo front line and defense is going to be well, and Rex Ryan is going to run or going to run the ball. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. Uh, Dolphins versus the Reds or Washington. I am going to take the Dolphins because Washington just has too much going on, too, and not a lot positive. So I have Washington or Dolphins winning over Washington. The Panthers versus Jaguars. Without a question, I got to go with the Panthers. They're a more established team. Jaguars are up and coming. They're developing. They're trying to get all their pieces in place. I just don't think that they have it. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Panthers. Seattle versus the Rams. This would be a tough pick, tougher pick, I would say, if it was middle of the season. But this could be a rival game. Uh, this is a rival game within the NFC West. And I'm going to go with Seattle. Uh, just because the time they have together, uh, St. Louis, they play Seattle tough, but St. Louis has a lot of injuries and things like that. So I'm going to just have to stick with them. Uh, and then we have the Saints versus the Cardinals uh, here. And I am going to go with the Cardinals. I think uh, Carson Palmer has a lot of weapons, even with Michael Floyd out. I think uh, the other guys have stepped up and – Defensively, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they the pass defense versus the Saints wide receivers without Jimmy Graham. That's going to be interesting, but I am going to go with the Cardinals. Lions versus the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Chargers, and only because this is a long trip for uh, the Lions, and I feel like the Chargers still have some stability there. Even though the Lions are a better team, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Uh, the next game, I have Titans versus Buccaneers. This is going to be uh, the battle of the number one and number two, and it goes to the team that can run the ball and the team that can create pressure. I think Tampa Bay has more pressure on them, but they have the better weapons right now. So I am going to go with the Buccaneers over Tennessee. Uh, that and that That's going to be interesting. I, I think that Mariota is – probably going to have the better game because he's going to have less to do. Um, I think Jameis has the weapons, and the long, long down the road, Jameis has more upside, but it's going to show this game, and I know both of them are looking forward to it. But I think there's more pressure on Jameis to do better than it is for uh, Mariota. Next, we have Cincinnati versus the Raiders. This is going to be a brawl to me. Uh, Cincinnati, they're well established uh, with AJ Green. You know they have a solid running game. Uh, is they've had some consistency. You know on both sides of the ball, the organization hasn't had very much changes throughout the past few years. Um, but then you go to Oakland. 
I think they're Oakland is finally getting it together uh, with uh, Derek Carr and Amari Cooper. Uh, that is going to be my rookie of the year candidate. I think that uh, they can go ahead. I think the Raiders could go ahead and do something in the AFC West. So with this game, my my head and my heart says the Raiders. Even though Cincinnati is a better team, I think coming to Oakland is just always difficult. And then coming with some young studs, that's a whole nother deal. So I'm going to go with the Raiders. The Ravens at the Broncos. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed in the Broncos this year. Uh, I don't think that Peyton is ready. I think his arm strength uh, was exposed last year when he hurt his leg. I still see those balls kind of taking off from him and him not having his legs uh, with the bootlegs and things like that. I just I, I see the Denver being better um, with kind of moving on or going back to their old system. So it'll be interesting to see what Coach Kubiak does. So if this game wasn't in Denver, I would have taken the Ravens. But I still think it's going to come down to running the ball, defense, and at altitude. So I'm going to take the Broncos in this one. Um, and I know I sound crazy doing it, but, hey, I just feel like the defense, that front seven of Denver, no team can match them. Um, last, we have the Giants versus the Cowboys. This is going to be interesting. I am going to take the Cowboys uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but yeah, I, I think the Cowboys still have the, the same chemistry that they've had. Uh, I think whoever runs the ball behind that line is going to do well, so I'm not tripping on that. And so now we have the Eagles versus the Falcons. I'm going to, I think the Eagles are going to go into Atlanta and tear some stuff up. Uh, not that I'm an Eagles fan. I think that they'll just match better against Atlanta, so I'm taking the Eagles, and I think they're going to dominate. Vikings uh, versus 49ers. Now, this one is interesting, too. I think uh, the pressure is more put on Colin Kaepernick to win, and I don't think that they've really upgraded their receiving core to help him out. And uh, their running game is still good, but I think Adrian Peterson is a man on a mission, so I'm going to take the Vikings over the 49ers. Well, I want to thank you all for coming in and uh, listening to the Man Cave. And next week, I already have my two teams predicted for the Super Bowl, but once I get the fellas on, we'll go and talk about it next week. Please feel free to call in and give your opinion. Thank you for coming and checking us out in Man Cave. Enjoy this football season. And I look forward to uh, talking to some of you callers and hanging out at the Man Cave. All right, we're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of the Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.